0: From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue? I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the questions CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the live show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square Two Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 37 of What's Wrong With Revenue. Today we're going to talk about you don't have the right set of outside experts. And while this might seem self-serving, it's really not about us. It's all about you. And at Square2, we actually use a fair amount of outside, outside experts to help us. So we'll be sharing some of our experiences with um, how we use outside experts and how sometimes that extra outside perspective is what you need to move your revenue efforts forward. So, Eric, thanks for joining. I know you got a flight soon, so we'll be very efficient today in our show, heading off to Detroit to help some uh, other companies figure their marketing story out. Everybody, uh, has a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. Remember, you can get the show on YouTube at the Square2 Marketing Channel. All of our episodes are posted there. You can go and like us. You can subscribe to the show. Please comment. We love getting comments from our audience members. You can subscribe to the show on our website. At the bottom of our website, there's a what's wrong with revenue uh, link. You can go on over to that page. You can submit questions like the ones we'll handle today. And if you're looking for all of our audio and video content, head on over to Square2Marketing's free streaming service, Square2Plus, square 2 backslash Square2PLUS. And you can take a look at all of our audio and video content in one place. You can subscribe to square 2 Plus. And we'll let you know when we have new shows and new content posted, just like Netflix, Hulu, or Amazon. So, you know, uh, as I was saying, for a long time, Square2 has recognized that some areas of business in general are not our area of expertise. We're marketing guys. We're sales guys. We know how to generate revenue when it comes to finance, legal, legal acquisitions or even some specialized content production, we lean on outside resources. And that concept has served us well. So we wanna share a little bit of that with you today because sometimes when you're looking at revenue and wondering why it's not working, it could just mean you need an outside perspective. So we'll talk a little bit about why companies lean on expert advice for some of these non-marketing sales uh, uh, topics like we talked about and maybe why marketing and sales need to be thrown in there with legal and accounting and some of these other skills and we'll also talk about how you can know what kind of outside expert advice you need to grow we can look at uh, help you look at assessing um uh, the difference between a sole practitioner someone in your industry, or maybe even an agency or a company and what those different options look like. Uh, We can help you know what outside experts cost and how much you might need to be looking to invest in it. And also what the different models might look like if you're considering outside experts. So we can help you talk about that too, as well as how long do you work with an outside expert? It's a really good question. One of our uh, uh, audience members actually submitted this question. So we'll answer that in the question and answer section. So Eric, I know you're a big champion of outside experts when it comes to square two. So what kind of smart advice could you provide to our audience
1: today to kick off the show? You there? Can't hear you. I think one of the biggest things that you have to do is think about the who, right? Because we're going to talk about different kinds of people that you can affiliate with that can help you with your business, but the who is very important. So what do I mean by that? I have a good friend and she has a successful practice and she posted on Facebook. I'm looking to redo my website. Can anybody recommend a really cheap web designer? Okay, no problem. Everybody's got budgets that they have to adhere to. And then someone on Facebook said to her, well, how much are you looking to spend? Now, this is for her website, the keystone to her entire marketing program, right? And she said, I would like to spend less than $1,000. Okay, no problem. But I think that the who, the question that I'm putting is uh, about quality and peerness, right, a fit. If you were sick, you don't say, you know what, I'm looking for the cheapest doctor." I don't care. I just want cheap. I just want to check the box. I got a doctor. I don't care if they don't know what they're doing. I don't care if they have no experience. I just want the cheapest doctor. When you say it that way, it sounds kind of funny, right? But really, that's what people are doing with their businesses. When it comes to sales, consulting, marketing assistance, whatever it might be, you want someone who is your same peerness, right? If I'm a $10 million company and I want to go to be a $20 million company, I'm looking for someone who has that kind of experience, not a recent high school graduate who I could pay $10 an hour to because it's cheap. So I think that that's a good way to set the table is to make sure that whoever you hire, a firm, an individual, a contractor, a full-time employee is in the same peerness as your company's stage of growth. And that way, okay, maybe you're cutting down substantially on the chances of failure.
0: I think that's a really good point. And we talk to uh, prospects specifically uh, frequently about aligning their investment in outside experts with the goals of the business, right? And I think, you know, maybe I would say to your friend, what are you trying to accomplish by bringing in this outside expert to help you with your website? You know, if it's just to put up an online brochure, well, there's one value associated with that. If it's to attract more patients I could argue that there's a higher value in that level of investment. If it's to actually grow her practice to be, you know, multi-location, multi-city and, you know, take over the world, there's even a higher value associated with that. So I think a lot of people mistakenly set their budget and their financial expectations around what uh, what they think something should cost as opposed to the benefit that their business is going to get from it. So I agree with your point about like trying to find someone who's, you know, kind of aligned with you from a, from a a goal perspective and a size perspective, but also like, what's the objective here when you're bringing in an outside expert, I want you to talk a little bit about how the person listening or watching the show, how might they know when they should start thinking about bringing in an outside expert? What, what would be some of the signals that they might see in their business that would make them think to themselves, hey, we're out of our depth here. We need to bring someone in who knows some things that we don't to help us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the perfect analogy for that is the dead end, right? Driving down a country road, you think you know where you're going. All of a sudden, you come to the dead end. Uh-oh, what did I do wrong? Which way do I go? And I don't have a plan. The only thing I can do is go backwards, try to figure my way out. Lots of times we come to a point at our business and we've been around 19 years. So we've made every single mistake you could possibly make in a business. But when I get to the dead end and I'm like, I don't know which way to go from here. That's usually a signal that I need some help. Now that help could come internally. I could rally the team who knows the answer to this problem, or I could rally my network. Does anybody have any experience in this area? Maybe they could guide me for free or a little bit of a a tip to get me going in the right direction. But when those two free uh, options are uh, exhausted, then it's time to start looking for some help. Now, over the years, I think we've learned that when you get those hairs on the back of your neck that are standing up a little bit, because you got that feeling that you're going towards the dead end, you haven't quite reached it yet. Now, I think we move a little bit more proactively knowing, oh, this isn't going in the right direction. And I don't, have any, I don't currently have any resources to solve this problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, with us, yeah. A
1: fabulous uh, accounting manager for a long time. And we never even considered accounting, right? Joanne was our person. She was amazing. She decided she was retiring. Okay. Well, we've never had to deal with this before because Joanne has been our accounting manager for 10 years. Let's try some other things. And when we tried X and Y and Z and none of it was working up to the level that was equal to the uh, production that Joanne had in our finance area, immediately I put up that red flag we got to go outside. Once we went outside, we even made a misstep and started with the wrong firm. And then we replaced it with someone who we now have, and she's wonderful. The point I'm trying to make is, though, that you have to be able to identify, one, I don't have any experience in this area or dealing with this problem. Two, there isn't a simple solution that presents itself. Three, I've exhausted all of my free resources, like internal and my friends. Now I got to look for some paid help.
0: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I think for most people, if you don't have, if you're looking around the table at all of your available resources, and obviously some of those resources are going to be internal. You know, I'm talking to my team; they don't seem to know you know what to do here. To Eric's point, I've scraped my network; they don't seem to know what to do here. Um, now I've talked to some friends; I've done some research. No one really seems to have a good answer for me and what I need to do next. That's a pretty good indication that you probably need to consider some outside resources. I think then you're, you're going to basically follow some of the stages in, in, in the buyer journey. And what I mean by that is accepting the fact that you need outside resources is kind of the first step. Then you have to decide what kind of resources do I need, right? You know, you could make a hire. That's always one option in terms of outside resources. Let me hire the, uh, uh, the, the people or the, uh, let me hire the knowledge that I need to fill this gap. That's one option. The other option is to uh, find someone outside of the company. And now you have a whole nother set of questions. Well, who am I looking for? Am I looking for a big company? Am I looking for a little company? Am I looking for someone with industry expertise or general expertise or expertise with a specific technology? So, you know, once you decide you need outside experts, there's still going to be a number of questions you have to go through in your own buyer journey to pick the right kind of expert. To Eric's point, when we, decided we needed outside expertise to help us with accounting, we made the conscious decision not to rehire. But then we started looking at uh, firms that could step in and be our part-time bookkeeper, part-time controller, maybe even part-time CFO. And it took us a couple of passes to find the right setup, the right match, the right company that fit uh, uh, fit our specific requirements. So, And those requirements... Kind of adjusted over time as we started to realize what we liked and what we didn't like hey we need some with a little more experience here maybe we need some with a less experience there we actually pieced together our financial team so we have an outsourced accounting function and an outsourced cfo to go Two separate companies. So, you know, that's just a configuration that we happen to like that we've been kind of working on for the the past couple of years that works for us. And we've even overlaid this year some more strategic financial guidance around some metrics and some methodology that we weren't practicing before to fill a gap that we were needing in the in the financial management of our company. So, you know, the the configuration of the solution. I think you should expect it maybe to evolve and change a little bit as you're trying different things and experimenting with with different sets of experts um, until you settle in and find something that really works. It might take you a couple
1: of tries. Yeah, I think so. And I think your posture of your company has to be determined also like, are you an outsourcing company or not? Lots of companies like to hire and then control the whole thing with full-time employees. And there's literally nothing wrong with that. We at Square Two are on the other end of the spectrum. We want to outsource everything we possibly can so we can focus on the consulting we do with our clients. And I think that that's a conversation you should have not only about marketing and sales, but everything, right? Do you outsource things or don't you? Either way is fine, but then that's the strategy you should stick to. Yeah. And I think some of that also extends
0: to what is your company's core competency, right? Like Eric and I and and Square too, like you got questions about marketing sales or revenue generation, we can help you. But sometimes when it comes to finance and some other things like, look, that's just not our area of expertise. So we lean on some people who who, that is their area of expertise and you can uh, apply this filter in so many different areas. You know, I was talking to this director of marketing a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me, look, I don't really want to deal with the technology, right? I want to find somebody else who can you know, be my HubSpot expert while I focus on demand gen for the company. I want someone else to deal with all the technology issues. So you know, in that case, he recognized that the outside expertise he was looking for was in a very narrow lane, um, not his core competency, not a core competency he wanted to hire for or grow within his current team. Wanted just someone to come and step in from the outside and help them with that. So there's so many different ways to cut this up. Um, It makes it, you know, probably more challenging if you're looking at a particular uh, issue that you can't crack and you're looking at uh, potentially bringing someone in. There's a lot of different flavors to this. You know, uh, like Eric said, like if you typically solve it with a hire, it might be simpler, but. I think we're encouraging people today to maybe look at a little uh, look look at a variety of options before you just jump to hiring somebody. Um, also, Eric, you know, I know you talk about this. Um, I think it's Bonnie's daycare story about hiring a a company and not a person or a system and not a person. You know, I think that applies here too. If you want to talk to the audience a little bit about that that uh, story, I think is very relevant.
1: Yeah, our first child was born. And uh, my wife took 18 months of maternity leave from her school district that she worked at. And now it was time for her to go back to work. And we were deciding what to do with our kid. And I said, well, why don't we just get one of those nannies to come in and hang out at our house all day while we're working? And my wife said, no, you. in a situation like this, which is mission critical, we have to trust the place and not the person. And what she meant by was that the independent contractor who came to your home had no backup plan. When they were sick, you were out of work. But if you went to a place, they had a variety of teachers and backups and substitutes and systems and processes so that there would always be smooth running. And I think that's important too with mission mission critical positions you're looking to fill in your company, whether with a contractor or an agency. Now, sometimes it's okay. So let's say you have a freelance copywriter and the answer is hey in a week i'd like a first draft of this white paper well that's a week to get it done if they're sick or they travel or whatever there's still some wiggle room in there but if you're like um uh, i have a hair salon and i need someone who's certified to cut hair right well there we need backup plans to make sure that our salon is open and if that person is sick other people can um, service the clients and so forth so that's a, another consideration on having outside resources do you trust the person or do you trust the place?
0: Yeah, and I think that's very relevant in what we're talking about here today. Uh, A lot of people feel like, oh, you know, hiring is better than using an outside agency for a variety of of, uh, services. And that might not be the case today. You know, there is turnover with people that you hire at a record rate. So just because you're hiring someone doesn't mean they're going to be with you for five or six years. They might be with you for six months and decide to leave. Um, just because you're hiring someone doesn't mean that institutional knowledge is going to stay with them. You know, if they you know, pick up in, in any year, give you two weeks notice, like how are you going to ensure that that institutional knowledge stays in your organization? Um, you know, when you do bring in a, in, in a company to provide this outside expertise, you know, if someone from their team is sick, they're still responsible for delivering that work for you. There are other people that have to step in and do that. Um, If someone on their side quits, they're responsible for getting you someone else and getting them up to speed and making sure that your program doesn't miss miss a beat. So I think as you're going to start comparing these outside resource alternatives, I think there's some extra looking that a lot of people tend to uh, gloss over when it comes to deciding, do I want someone that's dedicated to me? Do I want even a contractor or do I want a, a place or a company like Eric said, because I think there's a lot of benefits of having that company with you look you're still going to work with your people they're still going to get to know you but there's other people kind of looking over what's going on and making sure it's getting delivered in the right way they're bringing methodology and process and maybe even technology to the table that might warrant a slightly more significant investment and a slightly higher set of expectations around the experience and the kind of results you're expecting from them too so That doesn't just apply to like our industry. I think that applies to really any industry in in terms of what you might be looking for outside help with. Agreed. All right. So um, talked a little bit about, you know, you you talked a little bit about the investment thing, but how about how we might work with outside experts? So, you know, there's a lot of different models. You know, some people charge hourly. Some people have, you know, a a project and a scope of work. Some people, have kind of an ongoing retainer. If I'm thinking about outside experts, Eric, how do you think uh, our audience should be evaluating those different
1: options? Well, I think you have to work backwards, right? Paint the picture of success and then work backwards. If this is what success looks like, how will I get there? Who will help me get there? And then there's a set of criteria, right? We have to be here, we have to be there, you have to have this skill set, we need this accomplished in order to get to that painted picture of success. And then I would interview on that. I think a lot of people don't create the strategy of what they're trying to do first. And I have this situation right now. I'm working with one of our clients who sent me a job description for their business development person. And it's listed on there uh, things like um, will assist in writing an email copy, Uh, will create uh, the templates for the um, uh, email campaigns. Uh, But also there was a performance-based kicker of how much new business they brought in. So I'm like, well, wait a minute. If success looks like all this new business and you want someone to be writing copy and designing emails, that's gonna take away from their time or skills that they have hunting for these new accounts. So, you know, while they did put together a document, which you get three gold stars for, not just interviewing off the cuff, the document itself wasn't very strategic because it didn't, divide the skill sets into the appropriate buckets. They kind of lumped them all together and expect some kind of like Frankenstein sales and marketing person who's got it all connected uh, to be the first one that they're interviewing. So I had to point out to them something along the lines like, look, this feels like three jobs, one main one, and then two contractors that could help you with some email copywriting. And that was like, oh, never even thought that way. So I think it starts with strategy of what the end game looks like, and then working backwards to build the puzzle.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this is a question that we got, but it's probably worth talking a little bit now, you know, like there are different kinds of, I guess I would say categories of outside resources. So, you know, you have like your coaches who are going to basically tell you what to do. If you want to think about like a coach on a sports team, right? Like the the coach doesn't ever play, right? The coach just kind of maps out the strategy and tells you what to do and then the players go and play, right? And then you have consultants who might actually do work for you, right? So if I'm considering outside resources, how do I know which is right for me? Do I need a coach who's gonna tell me what to do or do I need a consultant who I can lean on and maybe do some of the work?
1: Well... Is really your answer, consultant or coach? Well, I'm. Look, they're both right in certain scenarios, right? Like to your point,
0: it's going to depend. Uh, Coach is going to be good for a company that maybe has resources but doesn't know what to do, right? Like, oh, you, you, Mary, do this. You, Eric, do that. You, Phil, do you know this over here, right? The coach would probably suit them well. But for a company that maybe is a little lacking in the resources, they might need someone who can come in with a plan and then maybe do some of the work so is that all I'm looking for is like
1: what does my resource pool look like or is there a little more to it than that I think there's more to it because it's strategic right I'm trying to I'm trying to not only just check the box but do it amazing I don't want the cheap doctor who will give me an aspirin I want someone who will put me through a standard set of tests identify my problem and give me the appropriate standard of care it's the same thing there if I have we'll use marketing obviously as an example since that's what we do if I'm looking for a marketing coach well, I better have some really able people who know what they're doing, but maybe aren't strategic. But if I need a consultant, well, maybe now I have to pull in more resources because my people either are not qualified or I don't have enough of those people. So I think once again, you got to work backwards with what am I trying to accomplish here? Back to the original example of the spending as little as possible for a website, that strategy doesn't hold up whether it's consultant or coach, right? Because it's just, there's no money for anything in there. And I think that that's a big thing. you know. I don't mean to cross over into budget right away because it's all about money, but it really is. Had a call uh, today with a company that has a portfolio of companies they invested in. They're a PE firm. And I said, well, what kinds of companies and what stages are they in? Well, we get them from pre-revenue to about a million dollars in sales, and then they graduate, and then we want them to find resources like Square 2. I said, I would love to help those people, but a million-dollar company... without any additional investment does not have the resources necessary to get to a $2 million company in a year or two. It'll have to keep bootstrapping it and they'll have to keep using uh, uh, really uh, inexpensive resources. So when I said that, they were like, wow, we never thought about that. We just assume when they graduated from our initial startup program that they would then figure it out. Well, you can't just figure it out. You have to apply the right budget the right consultant or coach, the right strategy to get the outcomes that you're looking for. And I think that's a big mistake that people make. Now, there's a mathematical component to that as well. If I hire the best consultant I possibly can to support my sales and marketing team, and they really give me a great strategy and they help my people understand where their problems are and how they can accelerate their progress, and I start to attract and close new businesses... What's the difference if it's 150 or 200 bucks an hour, you got to your goal of growing a million dollars in revenue. And I think a lot of people are penny wise and dollar foolish when it comes to hiring consultants or contractors.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And then I think you're also, you know, you really want to kind of consider the area of expertise that you're digging into, right? In some cases, the coach might be very well suited for the area where you need help. Like, I mean, like the coach configuration, right? Like if, you know, if you have salespeople and look, most companies have salespeople, then maybe a coach that's kind of pointing them, Oh, don't do this, do this. You know, that's going to in general, make a lot more sense than maybe a consultant who comes in who actually has to sell for you. Right. That just feels like a little misaligned anyway. Right. So in some cases, depending on what you're going to be looking for, that also might answer your question about the kind of expert you want to work with. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how long you work with experts because there's this, this uh, concept in our industry, you know teaching someone a fish and they're going to be a lot more uh, you know a lot more successful feeding themselves as opposed to fishing for them over and over and over again. Um, I think that has a lot to do with, with considerations around the, length of the engagement or what your expectations are in terms of your life cycle with a outside resources. Why don't you share a little bit of your experience with um, that piece of the puzzle here?
1: Yeah, so I I think it's a big problem because business owners or business leaders shy away from these kinds of like um, bringing on experts for fear that it'll be one of those like years and years of, of, of an engagement. And it might be but i think is the question is what am i hiring this contractor for is it mission critical for my business or not and what do i mean by that i know that our business will survive if we were a little slower on collecting money and we were a little slower on invoicing i don't think accounting is mission critical for square two so why not just outsource it forever find a really good person leave them in place help them with the systems and processes that make sense and just leave them in place. I know I could get a cheaper rate if I brought someone in house or maybe because I can't afford a full-time accounting person. I have half uh, administrative person, half accounting, half HR, half IT, and I kind of glued it all together. But I don't think that's the right approach. I think the approach is if it's low payoff activity, outsource it. But if it's a high payoff activity, now I would have a different approach. Now I'm like, hey, I want to find the best, most expensive, most experienced consultant. I want them to teach me everything they know. I want them to fix my systems. I want them to coach my team members. I want them to optimize whatever they're working on. And then I want them to turn the keys to the car over to me because that's so important in my business. And I'm missing that skill set. I'm willing to pay for that, albeit in a short period of time. Now, sometimes when hiring contractors, I look at it like taking a course, and what I mean by that is I'm hiring a personal professor to come in and teach me this subject matter. Uh, subject matter, And then I'm going to internalize it, spread it throughout the organization, fine tune it, and then let that consultant go. Because they fulfilled exactly what my mission is. We have a hole here. We're going to get someone to help us fill it. It's more of a short-term orientation because it's so important to our business. We want to take it in-house. So a good example might be... Um, uh, We want to expand into new software areas. You know, we're a big HubSpot shop and we wanna learn how to implement Drift. Okay, great. We're gonna get the Drift consultant. They're gonna put it on for us. They're gonna do a couple of clients. They're gonna teach all of our people. Hey, thanks, Frank. I really appreciate the efforts. We'll call you when we need you for additional work. And that's more appropriate for a mission critical part of the business rather than accounting. Now, I wanna make this clear. While I'm dissing accounting as a non-critical part of Square 2, because it's administrative and not client services oriented. HR is mission critical to uh, to square two, because if we don't have the right people and the right bench for uh, expansion and contraction, that's actually a mission critical uh, uh, need. So I want to make sure that people aren't uh, listening and hearing, oh, administrative people, they're not important. It has to do with where you want your business to go and what gaps you have to fill.
0: Yeah, and it really kind of wraps back to your very first comment about strategy, right? Like, do you want someone that's going to teach you or do you want someone that's just going to do it, right? I could probably argue both sides of the coin, depending on who I was talking to and what their specific situation was, you know, virtual assistant, right? Like, it's an outside resource, whether you want to consider it a highly valuable outside resource or not, but it's an outside resource nonetheless. And if you have low payoff activities, to your point, well, have someone just take them off your plate and just do it. And, you know, if they move on, get another one, right? Like there's easily replaceable people, generally generally speaking, right? Yes. So I think it kind of depends on what you're trying to accomplish and um, uh, the tasks that you're asking people to do. I want to make this comment before we move on to questions in a, in a minute or two. I think also if you're looking for outside resources to help your company, I think one of the things you want to look for are people that are not only bringing expertise, but also um, systems and processes and methodology and and solid thinking that they've refined over the years that they can say, oh, you need this framework. You know, I've done this, I've used this tool at six other companies and it works beautifully. Let me share that with you, right? Um, And they should be comfortable turning those documents and, and that thinking over to you so you can get better. I I think in in any engagement or any kind of experience with outside consultants, you want to come away from it, the company wants to come away from it better than it was when it started. And this, this really answers this question of how long do you work with experts? I think the answer really is until you're not getting any value from them anymore. If they can continue to add value, either taking something off your plate and doing it better than your team could do it or continually educating you on things that are going on in their area of the the business then I think you should continue that engagement because without them your company would not be better off like if the company is continually getting better then I think you have a really good trusted outside resource and I'm pretty sure that's how we look at it maybe not so black and white like that but the people that we we tend to use people for a long time you know attorneys and financial people, our CFO has been with us for a long time. And I think generally we feel like, you know, the company's getting better in that area. They're adding value in that area. They're helping us uh, with issues that we're not capable of, of helping ourselves with. And, you know, as long as that continues, I don't feel like there should be any uh, end to it necessarily. Right now, if you're making a strategic decision out, oh, we decided to hire an in-house attorney. Well, that's different, but, Generally, I think if there's value being added, you're good to go. And maybe the length of the relationship is a little less relevant.
1: I think that's a really great way to put it. Now, I want to make sure that people stop and think that way, as opposed to just reacting, right? Hey, just hire anybody. Can we please take off the table, Mike? Get a college intern to do my social media. Can we please stop that as of today, June 1st, 2022? Right. No problem. Stopped. Well, the reason I say that is because that's the go-to, but yet, why would you want your entire outside perception of the entire world to be managed by a recent college graduate who doesn't have any experience? There's no strategy behind your social media. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, I just have an intern to do that. What they're really saying is this is not important or right. critical in my business. Right. And that goes back to your very first
0: example, right? If someone's getting a website for less than thousand dollars, it really must not be that important to them. You know, it really must not be something that they uh, consider important. Meanwhile, we know that everyone goes to your website before they even consider doing business, business with you and it doesn't work right, or it doesn't look right, or it's gives me a strange feeling not doing business with them. It's a huge obstacle to progressing in the buyer journey. So that's a big, pretty big strategic mistake there. Um, and we covered all the reasons why you would not want to do that. So I got a lot of good questions. Let's jump into these. and this one is a little more marketing and sales related. So uh, this is from Mark in New York City. What marketing or sales related indicators might show that we need outside help? which I thought was kind of uh, a little bit related to, I'm sorry, this was Barry in Los Angeles, just to give Barry credit for his question. It's a little more related to what we typically talk about, even though today we've been kind of stretching outside the marketing and sales area. So, you know, how would you respond to that? Like, what am I looking for from a marketing and sales perspective that might signal to me that outside
1: expertise makes sense? Well, I'm going to throw back what you say to me all the time, my friend. You're like, as long as I'm increasing month over month, I'm doing okay, right? Yeah. So- When your results are flat or decreasing, now there's the red flag. Step one, let's have our our team look at what's going on and fix it ourselves. Step two, if we've exhausted that and maybe used some of our network to figure out, now three is, hey, as quickly as possible, identify that I cannot get this going on track. I need outside expertise. Forget about the price for a second. Just say, I cannot solve this problem internally. I must look outside. So I think that metrics play a large part in feeding you the information you need for your business to decide whether or not something's broken and how quickly can I get on that. Now, I remember, you know, I own this building with a couple of apartments and retail stores and the old owner used to uh, do whatever they did. And when I bought it, when someone called and said, hey, my garbage disposal isn't working, then I immediately called the plumber. And I said, hey, got a garbage disposal out in apartment number three, deal with that. And the next day they would come fix it. It was over. And the tenant said, wow, um, the old landlord wouldn't even return my call for a few weeks and then finally did it. And it ended up being broken again and blah, 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 blah. And that's how people approach their businesses as well. Forget about real estate. It's still a business, right? A lot of people are just dragging their feet. They don't know what to do. They don't have Massive and immediate action in order to cure that. Well, metrics give you that information that you need to say: through the past three months, this has gone nowhere. We tried it a couple times ourselves. Now we need some outside help because if we fix this specific metric, whatever it might be, now our business is flourishing. And I think that people don't do fast enough. They don't look at the tea leaves enough to see what is uh, presenting itself from a data perspective and acting on it quickly because. If you think about it, if I acted today, the first day of June, 2022, and I said, man, I'm going to fix this thing in my business, Mike, realistically, how long does it take to fix the business problem?
0: Well, I mean, it depends, but I would say a couple months, probably, if it's a pretty big
1: problem. So I could still salvage 2022 in that specific area, right? But what about the people that put their head in the sand? I know that it's blinking red on my dashboard. You know what? We'll deal with that next quarter. Meanwhile, it's still a problem. Your employees are demoralized because nothing's getting fixed. Your clients are unhappy because whatever you're providing with them is not working correctly. You're not getting referrals. You're just hurting yourself in so many different ways. So be on top of the numbers. When the numbers are flat or start to diminish, try to fix it yourself. And if not, go for the smartest, fastest person you could find. That's my approach to Barry in L.A.
0: I think we we I wish more clients had that perspective too. I mean, we are constantly looking at clients who have had either years of declining data, or or a year of declining data, or no no data, right? So um, it's really kind of epidemic from the marketing or sales perspective. But there's very few people that we end up talking to are like, oh, we've been tracking these metrics and they're down two months in a row, and we can't figure it out. We need you guys to like like uh, parachute in and help us before it gets any worse. Can you even remember ever having a conversation
1: like that? No, it's usually like, uh, help me before we go out of business. That's exactly right. You know, we, we've been ignoring this for years. And that's why I I think it's, it's, and I'm not talking about specifically marketing because today is outside consultants and when to use them. Right. But, Oh my goodness, that people just ignore the problem and let it go. And then it becomes really bad. So, now people, and now I'll go back to marketing for a second. I'll say, well, you haven't been doing any marketing for two years and your goals are pretty lofty. So you should spend $100,000 in this year to fix it all. What? $100,000? And I'm immediately thinking to myself, well, that's two years of 50000 you should have been spending, four years of 25000 10 years of $10,000. is that money? Is it in an account somewhere? Because you should have it because you weren't spending it on marketing. And that's where I think it's really, I mean, it's humorous on the the level, but it's really sad underneath because it now takes so long to fix that problem, as opposed to what you said, hey, we're tracking this two months, it's not to fix it. It's probably a much simpler fix than rebuilding the entire sales and marketing program.
0: Yes, there's no question about it. When we come in, it's much easier to fix things that haven't been been neglected, right? For extended periods of time, right? Right. Um, how many websites do we see that are completely broken from an SEO perspective because no one's even looked at it for three years, right? Well, that site basically needs to be thrown out and rebuilt with, with proper mechanics for today's you know Google search. If they had engaged us two months of downward organic visitors, we'd be like, oh, we just need to change a couple of meta descriptions, put some tags in there and you're, you're, you'll probably be fine, but we'll keep an eye on it for the next couple of months and see how you're doing. You know, to answer ba- Barry, like it's every metric right like you're looking you're asking about marketing and sales related indicators but it's really every single metric you're probably already tracking is 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 visitor traffic going down is as long as it's you you can't point to seasonality you know as long as you can't explain it away then i would say 2 or 3 months of declining metrics in any area is worth looking for help with if you can't figure it out And Eric's right. Try to figure it out yourself. Look around, maybe like a a SWAT team or something internally could figure it out or at least could try something. If those tactics don't produce results, get get outside help after just a few months. It's going to be a much easier fix. It's like, you know, taking care of yourself physically. If you, you know, neglect your annual physical and it's three years later and you go to the doctor, he's like, oh, my God, your cholesterol is so high, your blood pressure is so high. Like how how can they help you? like you're, you've neglected it for so long, but if those indicators stick up a little bit, you're going to the doctor regularly. They're like, Oh, no problem here. Take this very modest dose of Lipitor and you'll be, you'll be fine. You know, it's the same kind of thing. So Barry, anything that is trending down and that you can't seem to turn around after a couple of months, I think is worth looking for some outside help. And Mark, who I did mention earlier in New York city, he, his question was service related it's the same for you, Mark. Like if if net promoter score is down, if customer satisfaction is down, if you know uh, uh, your, your customers are not providing reviews or providing negative reviews, and that's going on for a, a in that case, in my, I might even say thirty days, because those holes are very difficult to dig out of. Negative reviews live on the internet forever, and if you're starting to collect a lot of those, you. you Eric's uh, massive and immediate action is very important um, from a service indicator perspective. So I wouldn't let any of those things go uh, too long at all. Okay, Uh, I got a question here from Janice in Montreal. How long would you expect us to work with an outside expert? Is there a standard that you're considering? Now we did talk about that a little bit. I don't think we need to really spend much more time on that. I think, you know, Janice, it's going to be up to you. Like if you find a good outside expert, consider them part of your team, work with them forever. Like why would you consider switching if they're adding value and helping you get to where you want to be and the company is is achieving its its strategic objective? I don't think there's a an answer for that. If you want someone to come in and teach you how to fish, you can fish on your own, just be upfront with them, set a parameter for how long, you know, they think it's going to take to teach you and how long you're willing to learn before you feel like you know how to do it. And then just execute that engagement until you're finished. It's, it seems like a very, uh, if you have the right upfront conversations with your outside experts, it seems like something that you could easily manage through.
1: Mike, tell the story of the agile coach that we had that was a one and done project that was beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, I, I mean, a, gr- a great uh, point. We moved to Agile, I'm thinking maybe seven, six or seven years ago at this point. And um, it was something that we aspired to change the way we deliver services for clients. We, we didn't have any expertise doing it before. Um, we looked at some different options in terms of how to do it. And the best option was to bring in this guy who was doing it for other agencies. He had done it for a couple agencies before us and hire him for a very specific scope at a very specific time. He was like, I think I can teach you guys how to be agile. And I think it was three months, maybe four months. And that was the scope of the engagement. He said, yeah, I'll help you with training. I'll get everybody up to speed. I'll teach everybody what they need to do. Um, I'll get your software set up. I'll do all your reporting. Like he really had all the boxes covered. And it was a, it was a very clear runway, a very clear exit. And as long as we were comfortable and he was cool about like hanging out in terms until we felt like we were ready to fly from the nest. And he I think he ended up staying an extra month just to kind of keep an eye on us. But his engagement with us was getting less and less as we were starting to pick up more of it on our own. And then eventually we felt like we were good to go. And he was still around. If we had questions, he was accessible. And if we needed a couple of extra reports or tweaks to our system that he built for us, he was able to do it. So it was a very nice exit and he taught us how to fish and we've been fishing ever since. So I think there's a lot of ability to have that conversation up front and and go into it with, with your eyes open and the, the outside resources eyes open too. And, and just a little bit of flexibility might be all you need at the end to, to wrap everything up. And I got a question here from Arthur in Miami, and this is a good one. It was one I was wanted to talk about earlier that we didn't get to yet. So this is a good question. What vetting process would you recommend to help us find the right experts for our size company or a business with our challenges? So let's forget about the specifics of their business or challenge, but what kind of direction would you give someone for vetting an outside expert?
1: Well, remember how we said strategy before tactics earlier in the call. So my first thing would be lay out what your expectations are right off the bat. Now, they might not be accurate like we talked about the job description for the business development person that I mentioned earlier, but lay out that strategy first, right? Then you can ask the questions that pertain to that strategy in that vetting process. Now, The only challenge there is that if you're trying, like let's go back to your agile consultant story. We really didn't know what questions to ask around agile specifically. We knew like, how do you communicate and what is the billing like and all the regular stuff, but we didn't really know what questions to ask around agile. So there I would try to find someone who's gone through it before. Hey, anybody else go through this process? What question should I be asking? Of course you could Google, right? How to hire a agile uh, consultant. But at the end of the day, you have to match it up to a framework. I think too many people are hiring consultants without vetting them because they're going on their gut. I liked him. I hope that it'll work out. As opposed to, could you give me three examples of agencies like mine that you've created on the uh, or put on the agile platform? And what were their challenges and what were their successes? And then shut up. Because if they start fumbling, well, it was sort of and maybe and whatever, they're not your person. You want them to say, I have a patented four-step process. I've used it on all those companies and here's how it works. Bop, 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 bop. I'm not even sure that that is something that you could put your hat on. At least it's going in the right direction because that person also could be bamboozling you and then, you know, coming up with someone else's methodology, but trying not to be cynical. If they can demonstrate that they have a methodology, if they can demonstrate they've had success with other companies like yours, if they can demonstrate what the exit looks like, like what's the end game here, if their fees are in order with your return on investment. I mean, we have made that investment on that agile consultant a thousand times over because he put in a new methodology by which we save money. We were more efficient and gave better client satisfaction through that process. So I don't even care if he came back to us and said, I want to do that all over again. And he asked for double knowing now what I, uh, I mean, knowing then what I know now, I would have given it to him.
0: Some of this actually is relevant to your hiring process. So I think if you have a good hiring process, it's really the same set of exercises when you think about it. Now, if you don't have a good hiring process, that's maybe a story for another day, but you know, if you're pretty good at finding full-time employees, well, you want to look at the same kind of activities, right? You want to ask really good questions, right? We do a lot of behavioral interviewing and, you know, tell us about the time you did this, right? Like so it's a similar set of questions with a similar methodology. You obviously want to talk to people that they've worked with and make sure that those people have had successful relationships. Now, again, nobody's giving you a bad reference when they're going for a new job and no outside expert is probably giving you a bad reference. But honestly, there's lots of ways to vet people online today that that are a little different than, you know, how you used to vet them. Right. You can look at online reviews. And you can ping people maybe that you think have worked with them and see what their experience was like. A lot of people uh, tend to do that when you're hiring. You know, I had someone reach out to me uh, for an X square 2 employee who was looking for a job. It didn't give me as a reference, but the guy knew me and he wanted to talk about this particular guy. And I, you know, I shared my feedback with him. So there's lots of ways kind of around the traditional uh, sources, but, you know, I think you want to spend just as much time with your outside experts, as you would if you're about to make a full-time hire. People feel very, those full-time hires feel very permanent. You want to spend a lot of time. You want to get a lot of people involved. You want to really make sure, I've heard plenty of people say, I really want to make sure I'm hiring the right person this time. We're going to take our time. But when it comes to outside experts, Eric's right. Lots of times it's like, oh, John told me you were great. Come on, let's work together. And you don't really take the time to, vet those outside experts the same way you vet in, in people you're about to hire full-time. I think that's also a perspective you can take if you're wondering uh, what that process might look like.
1: Well, we had that strategic coach for like three or four months. I don't think it was any longer than that. And I hired him specifically on the recommendation of a buddy of mine. And he was so not a cultural friend right. with our business, but I just went with the referral and didn't vet him as I would a full-time employee. Right. Yeah. My, my mistake Yeah.
0: Um, Let's talk about this. This is from um, this. Let me just check. This is from Lindsay in New Jersey. Can you talk about what an appropriate getting to know you phase might look like? This is kind of interesting because, you know, these outside resources, they're experts in the area, but they don't really know our businesses and we're bringing them in. So how, so I do my vetting and I spend, you know, enough time and I really like this person, but what do you think about a phase where they're getting to know us and we're getting to know them? Like, how would that look differently than maybe the work that they're actually doing for us? I don't, I can't recall if we ever did that with any of our outside experts. Do you remember anything
1: like this? No, because I think we're very uh, focused. So we knew exactly what problem we were trying to solve and we trust applied a person to that. But lots of times when we're pitching for business people say well i like what you guys have to say but maybe we should start a little slower and get to know each other and they want some kind of pilot program or maybe they want some kind of like a three-month test you know project or something like that so that's come back to us that way being the other side of the coin like we're the consultants the challenge with that is that when you deal with a consultant or a consultancy, there's limited bandwidth. And am I going to choose to sell myself or a client for three months in the hope of getting a one-year engagement when I could just move on to the next client and lock up that deal because they understand the value I bring to the table? So if you're going to ask someone to walk before you run, you know that you run the risk of not getting them at all simply because that's not what they propose to you. That's not the way they work. So I'd be careful around that. Now, That doesn't mean that you can't stage or phase a project and have go, no-go points in place. So a good example of that would be simply, hey, uh, we know we want to do a HubSpot implementation of Marketing Hub, the CRM, and the content management system. Why don't we just start with moving our website over and see how that goes? I actually have no problem with that because we get to vet the clients also. So maybe that, and then remember that's still a project and it's not as big as you would want it as a consultant, but it's certainly a... Money maker if priced correctly. So I think that there's a couple of different things you want to consider before you start to push back on the systems or methodologies. One of the things I always liked is the EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. If you want to be one of their coaches, you must follow their system to a T. You have this meeting, then you have that meeting, and then there's a certain period of time, and then you have this meeting, and it all comes together. And I guess they do that because they don't want people freelancing or doing pilot programs or doing consulting on the side. They really want to maintain the brand, aka experience people have with that specific offering. So um, yeah, I would try not to break a consultant or a coach's uh, process right out of the gate.
0: Yeah, I, my experience is you, you can't really be half pregnant. And I, I don't like engagements either for us or with our outside consultants where we're going into it feeling like, let's give this a try you know, I think the getting to know you period is what we just talked about. Like, take your time before you start any engagement or, or, you know, commit to any particular outside expert. Like, look, if you need longer to get to know somebody before you hire them, take longer to get to know them. If you're, you know, if you want to have, you know, break bread and go out to lunch, if you want to talk to some of their clients in person, if you want to, you know, wait, because there's an event coming up, then you're both going to be there and you want to, you know, meet in person. Like, I think, That's where the getting to know you phase ought to be executed. Just take your time before you pull the trigger. But when you get started on the work, I think you should be all in. I've seen too many clients, you know, try it with the idea that, well, if this doesn't work, like I'll just get out of it in a couple of months. Like I guarantee you it's not going to work. If you're going into it thinking like, well, I don't know if this is my my long-term solution, but I just want to see what happens. I guarantee you're you not going to be happy. I guarantee you something's going to happen because your your mindset is already around, how do I get out of this? I don't want to commit to it. You know, my advice is if you're feeling like that is you don't have the right person, keep or company. Keep looking for someone who you're like, this is who I want to work with. I'm excited about working with this person or this company. I know they're going to get me where I need to be. I've answered all the questions I've had. I've talked to all the people I've talked to. I've seen all the work I need to see. I am completely committed to whatever they're going to ask me to do because I know they're going to get me to where I want to be. Like, just wait long enough until you feel like that. I think that would be a much better plan than uh, trying to get some kind of get to know you phase. It's of the beginning of the engagement. I got one more question here and then we can wrap up. And this is a really good one. This is from Kyle in San Diego. He wants to know, what about guarantees? We've asked for this in the past. No one is willing to consider this. Can you talk about that? I know you have a feeling about this, Eric. how do you feel about this guaranteed results
1: question? When I go to the doctor and I say I don't feel well, and the doctor analyzes my situation and prescribes a uh, uh, the uh, method of care treatment plan you ask your do- what treatment plan treatment plan do you ask your doctor to guarantee that you will be rid of your sickness in three days no because the doctor is only using their experience and uh, best practices to help you now there's also the other side did i take my medicine did i sleep well at night did I, I don't know, whatever I'm supposed to do. Well, if I didn't do those things religiously, then how could I ask the doctor to guarantee that, that care or the success from that care? Because I am a part of that. So many people ask us at Square Two, well, can you guarantee that my business will grow a million dollars? And I say, I sure can, but I have to do the selling for you. Because if I do all this work and hand over these delicious, tasty leads to your sales team and they fumble it, How could my compensation be on the line? Oh, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Hey, I want you to implement a new ERP system for my company. I know it's going to take three months and it's going to cost $30,000. They come in and your team is like, well, we have an offsite and then we're going on vacation next week. And then three months comes and you're like, hey, my ERP is not set up. It's not fair to the consultant. It's not fair to that coach who's trying to help you with their methodology that you agreed to. And you, and you don't realize you're a big part of that equation. So I don't think it's fair to ask those folks to guarantee something if you're involved. Now, if you're like, here's all the information. Uh, I need a, a three-page white paper. Uh, you should have everything you need. I need it in a week. Do you agree to that? Yes, I'm the writer. I agree to that. Then there should be a guarantee because there's nothing involved with the client. Uh, the the copywriter could say, should I have any questions? Will you be available within two hours of my request to answer these questions? Yeah, then they can guarantee it because you've made your agreement. But I don't think it's fair at all. And I hear it literally on a monthly basis. Hey, guarantee your results. Hey, guarantee your results. I'm like, hey, guarantee that you'll be the best client I ever had and we have a deal.
0: Yeah, it's really, when you're talking about this kind of advice and these kind of outside experts, you know, it's not like, well, if I buy this product, is it going to do everything you said it was going to do? Like, yeah, it's a little different, but these are very complex relationships generally. The business issues that outside experts are trying to fix are very complex generally. Um, You know, everything Eric said is 100% right, both from our experience And, you know, from our experience working with clients, but also our experience being a client with some of these outside experts, you know, we're constantly asking these people, what do we have to do to be your best client? I don't find our clients asking that very much at all. In fact, I find most of them, you know, doing their best, trying their hardest, but, you know, it's difficult to keep up with us. You know, there's a lot of distractions on their side of things that prevent them from, you know, getting stuff back to us. Uh, they change their mind frequently, which I get like, you know, you're entitled to change your mind and businesses have to pivot, but, you know, understand that if we spend a month coming up with an amazing story for you, and then you tell me in the meeting, right after you said you loved it, that you're pivoting your company, like, guess what? Like we got to start again. So no, there's really no way to guarantee you results in a certain amount of time, because you should be able to change your mind, but understand the ramifications of change, what changing your mind means. You know, the kind of work that these outside experts do is just not really suited to any kind of guarantee. What I can guarantee is I'm going to bust my ass to help you. We're going to be very responsive. We're going to put the best people on your program. You know, we're going to optimize your budget. You know, we are, there are lots of things we can guarantee, the things that we can control. But, you know, how the program plays out, you know, in almost all of these outside expert scenarios, there's so many people involved, it's just impossible to guarantee anything. Just like the doctor wouldn't guarantee your treatment results. He's going to tell you, like, based on my experience, I think you'll get better in about three months. But, you know, I got to see how you respond to the treatments. And I got to see what kind of patient you are. You know, like there's just so much involved. No doctor would make that kind of guarantee to any to any patient. And if he did, you might even be concerned. Right. Like, wait a minute. How are you how are you so sure this is absolutely going to work? Like to me, that seems a little like quackery that would make me concerned. So maybe you should be equally concerned if you have outside experts who are guaranteeing you anything. I'm not sure maybe they're the best experts. Anything you wanna add, Eric, before I wrap up?
1: No, I think today was an interesting topic, not how to drive more leads and grow your business, but like consider the finer points because most businesses at some point are gonna need some help in some area. And I think it's something really nice that we presented so people can consider.
0: And when you're talking about what's wrong with revenue, I think the answer is lots of times companies don't have the internal expertise to get to their goals. And hopefully we got you thinking a little bit about, you know, what kind of outside expertise might be relevant and then how you would consider bringing that expertise into your company. So thanks for joining us. Just to remind everybody, you can catch the show on YouTube. We'll be posted there tomorrow, Square 2 Marketing Channel. Subscribe to it, like us, provide us comments. We love hearing from our audience You can get the show uh, emailed right to you if you subscribe to it, either on our Square 2 Plus, our free streaming service, or on our website. There's a link at the bottom, What's Wrong With Revenue. Click on it. You can subscribe to the show there. And you can also submit questions like the questions we answered for you today. Next week, episode 38, What's Wrong With Revenue, we're going to be talking about you haven't created the right experience for your prospects and customers. Nothing could be more important today in terms of the experience you're giving people. In some cases, it's really the reason why they pick you or don't pick you. So stay tuned for a really good show next Wednesday at four o'clock when we do it live. Please join us on Facebook or here um, on Zoom. Thanks, everybody. Have a really great rest of your day. And thanks for joining us.
1: Bye-bye.